Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. As always, I am your host, John June. That is right. Back at it. Back on the mic. Uh, yes, it is a solo pod as we transition into our off season. So uh, that means we significantly cut down the content here. Uh, we are a one man show until about July or so, but don't worry, it'll still be live. Uh, we'll get this feed buzzing. Uh, you know, I plan to bring on some really awesome guests from uh, not just the fantasy community but the football community as well to come on this off season and. and discuss a variety of, of, of topics. So uh, it'll be a jam-packed off-season. But right now we're going to be checking uh, back in, you know, checking back in with y'all, going through some some of the news that went down since we since we last got on here. Um, but again, you know, around this time, uh, it, this show becomes very Dynasty-centric, um, primarily digging into the rookie class, talking about the prospects, uh, but also taking a look at the overall dynasty landscape as uh, players start to move in, in free agency and in the draft. Uh, and, and, you know, before you know it, I'll be on here talking about projections and some of my favorite teams and players to, to target and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, just from the dynasty perspective, you guys listen to this podcast, maybe you're new to this podcast. Um, but from a dynasty perspective, obviously, we we really talk about the redraft landscape a lot on this show. Um, especially between July and January, as we get into the off season, or like we started doing last year, it becomes very dynasty centric. So we'll, you know, we discuss uh, some targets, some you know guys that you should target, you know veterans across dynasty rosters that you should be targeting, um, or even guys that you should be selling uh, after the season that they just had. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna pretend as if I'm as, uh, you know, really into the dynasty landscape as some other people, right? Like, you know, uh, Ryan McDowell of, of, of dynasty league football and, and all those guys, um, or Ray GQ who does destination Devi work, um, you know, or even my guy, Sonny of big knowledge football. I mean, these guys, the, they live in the dynasty landscape. They, uh, the, the Devi landscape, they live in that, uh, I'm I'm more of just uh, you know I look I like to look at the market after the fact because uh, af- you know redraft is really uh, you know redraft DFS that's really what we focus on here but in the off season taking a look at the landscape taking a look at some of my rosters looking at some players that maybe I'm trying to 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 get rid of or guys I might be trying to buy low on boat by low on in anticipation of a free agent landing spot or uh, different things like that but this is the time where I'm trying to uh, because right now the the information is what drives the price right there's no games being played so it's just information buying uh, driving the price and so it's a good time to leverage that as well um, because again, there's no football being played, and if if the group thinks one thing, right? Because fantasy football is a lot of group think. If the group thinks one thing, and you're thinking something different than that, then that uh, allows you to leverage the market in in a sense, right? So, um, you know, but before we even jump into anything, man, uh, 
by the time you listen to this, the Super Bowl very well likely could have been played between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, I'm expecting a, a really good game between these two teams, uh, two of the best quarterbacks of our generation. Uh, the, you know, the amount of storylines around this game are about to be lit, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. We I mean we're talking about uh, Tom Brady, who, I mean, I'm a Jets fan. It's gonna kill me to say it, but he's he's essentially is the goat. Uh, that you know, six six championships, six out of nine championships, chasing a seventh out of ten. Uh, you know, the guy's the goat, man. But but Patrick Mahomes is the closest thing that we got to dethroning him. Right. I mean, the the trajectory that Mahomes is on right now through the first four years of his career, I mean, only three years as a starter, but three straight uh, appearances in the AFC championship game, uh, two straight Super Bowls. If it wasn't for D4 jumping off sides, we'd be going to three straight Super Bowls right now. Um, this guy literally is the best in the world. Um, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen play football. So. Uh, you know, this is is definitely going to be a great game. Uh, I'm I'm calling the Chiefs to win it. Uh, they're covered by three, but I'm, I'm I would take the Chiefs to win that. Uh, this over under is a little bit tight. I mean, it was 57 and a half, and now you know, then it dropped to 56 because this this talk about rain. So I'm not even touching that total here. And uh, you know, but if you if you want my pick, I'm gonna go with the over. Uh, you know, weather is fine but I don't think there's going to be a lot of wind in this game and you know Brady played in New England for for a while and uh you know I don't think this is really going to bother either of these these really talented quarterbacks as much as we might think um and speaking of quarterbacks man we've seen two quarterbacks request a trade thus far this offseason I mean the offseason hasn't really started right but we and we've seen two quarterbacks get traded. Uh, you know, first going to start with Matthew Stafford, the longtime Detroit Lions quarterback. You know, he didn't want to stick around for the Lions rebuild, and you know, wanted to move on to another organization, uh, and rightfully so, man. I mean, Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, well respected around the league. Uh, spent ten years, ten plus years in that Detroit Lions organization, has outlasted. Uh, multiple head coaches and multiple general managers uh, was able, I mean, the fact that he was able to even take that team to three playoff appearances, I think that speaks volume of, of him as a player. Um, but, you know, w- wanted to move on to, an un- to another organiza- organization, any organization but the New England Patriots. Uh, his request was granted, and so the Lions end up sending Matthew Stafford to the L.A. Rams for the Rams' next two first-round picks and a third-round pick, uh, and Jared Goff. So now people have said, whoa, whoa, this this compensation is so much. What will, you know, Deshaun Watson go for? We'll get to in a little bit. You know, but these are unrelated. Uh, you know, this is really a two-part trade. Uh, the, you know, the Rams sent a first and a third to the Detroit Lions for Matthew Stafford, and then they also sent a first to the Detroit Lions to take on Jared Goff's contract, which the Rams were so desperate to move on from so gotta look at those trades differently this is a two-part trade here so i think this trade you know from from the football the fantasy perspective i think this is a really good trade for the rams um you know i think you know we could expect more consistency from the passing attack than we've seen in recent years with golf uh you know we've 
been in times where uh, even on this show where we've, you know, we said, oh, you know, want to play golf this week, want to trust these weapons this week, but I just don't know which golf is going to show up. And, you know, I think we get less of those situations with Matthew Stafford. I think in a, in this, in a place where, hey, this game's going to have a high total, uh, you know, this pass defense is, is vulnerable, um, you know, th- there's plays to be made, I think, between Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, uh, they're going to get this thing done. Um, as for the Detroit Lions, yeah, we'll get to them later. Uh, but Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans quarterback, has officially requested a trade. And this is huge, 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 huge news. Um, you know, this relationship has you know, absolutely deteriorated. Um, you know, they, they told Watson that he would be involved in in the GM search, you know, he would have some input, not that he would be involved orchestrating the search, but he'd have some input. Um, his input wasn't taken. Neither was the input of, uh, corn Ferry, the, uh, consulting firm that the, that the Texans hired. Neither was the, uh, neither was the input of the board of advisors that the Texans put together, including, uh, guys like Tony Dungy and Andre Johnson. And so uh, it seems that Jack Easterby, who uh, has gone from team chaplain to uh, basically the most powerful man in the Houston Texans organization, um, you know, he's he's running this show. And, and so Deshaun Watson, uh, rightfully perturbed by this, he wants out. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Watson has a ton of leverage here because he does have a no trade clause, meaning he has to accept any trade that the Texans would like to make. So while he can't specifically control his destination, uh, he can choose not to go somewhere. So that is huge. Um, so from that standpoint, right, a team has to be able to satisfy uh, not just Watson's demands, but they also have to satisfy Houston's trade demands as well, right? I mean, Houston, Deshaun Watson is a 25-year-old quarterback. He I mean, I think he'll still be 25 when the season starts. Um, but either way, uh, you know, this guy is a superstar. I mean, you put it this way, right? If you were starting a franchise today, uh, the number one pick would be Patrick Mahomes. The number two pick would be Deshaun Watson. Uh, so, you know, we've never seen a trade like this happen. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's going to cost at least four first-round picks. Uh, that would be the minimum that I, I would expect it to cost. Um, so, again, a team would have to satisfy Houston's demands by bringing forth either players or the draft capital necessary to really get this deal done. Uh, and, you know, the top two destinations that make the most sense, they've been thrown out there a lot. Uh, but, I, you know, to me, they make the most sense as well. Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Uh, the Dolphins hold the number three pick as well as the number 18 pick in this year's draft while the New York Jets hold the number two pick and the number 23 pick in this year's draft the Jets do have an additional first round pick uh, that they could use or an additional first round pick next year that they could use um, you know to basically bolster to you know put a package together to get Watson but the Jets roster isn't as strong as, as a lot of these other teams that could make a run at Watson like like Miami like the Panthers or even you know the Dark Horse 49ers um you know, it will be interesting because if you're if you're Houston and you're making this deal, you're moving on from Watson, you, you would want to have your future quarterback kind of 
settled and they don't have their first round pick because they traded that to the Dolphins, which is the number three pick here. Um, so, you know, they they need to be able, you know, if they are going to move on from Watson, they would need to have a secured plan about how they are going to replace Watson. And so, you know, it's been talked about that Miami could send back Tua or the Jets could back, send, back, send back Sam Darnold. Um, or even the 49ers would send back Jimmy Garoppolo because of the Nick Casario um, hire and the relationship there from New England. But, uh, you know, I think it has to be either the number two or the number three pick, in my opinion, uh, because, you know, Houston is fighting a PR battle as well. Right. They you know, they, their entire fan base has lost any hope in this organization. And so you need as a as an organization in Houston, you've got to be able to sell your fan base hope and i'm sorry but another team's draft another team's quarterback like tua or sam darnold is not going or jimmy garoppolo is not going to give your fans hope what gives your fans hope is drafting a replacement at either number two or number three overall so um again i say this because it's very interesting i i mean in all the ways that I could think about this, the Jets, and obviously I am a Jets fan, but uh, all the ways I think about this, it just seems as if the Jets make the most sense uh, for for a myriad of reasons, uh, including the fact that they have the number two overall pick, uh, which will be a quarterback in this class that's not named Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and if you know if they take the Dolphins pick right, and they don't trade Deshaun Watson to the Jets, well, guess what? The Jets are most likely to take a quarterback at two. So you could very well likely end up being Houston, ending up settling for your, you know, your third ranked quarterback, you know, as opposed to potentially getting your second ranked quarterback, you know. But we'll see uh, how. However, this 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 Watson saga ends, it will definitely be interesting. Uh, you know, you know, I'm rooting for for him to end up in Gang Green, um, you know. But that's just the you know that the major Jets fan in me talking. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, you know, these places like Miami or the Panthers or the 49ers, those all make a, a ton of sense, and and those would all, you know, somebody who has uh, a ton of Deshaun Watson dynasty shares uh, that those any of those destinations would make me happy. Um, but, you know, they're, again, quarterback musical chairs this offseason. I mean, this game gets bigger and bigger. We saw it last year, uh, but this year uh, it's it's even, I feel like, you know, the names might maybe aren't. I mean, we saw Tom Brady move last year, which was just kind of crazy. You saw Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, you know, guys that basically played in their organization forever uh, basically move on to another organization um, but, you know, Philip Rivers is retired. Drew Prees is basically impending retirement. Um, and so, you know, you were going to have a maybe a bigger game of musical chairs this year. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky. These are all guys that could end up in different spots this offseason. Um, and, you know, Adam Schefter said it on the Ross Tucker podcast recently. Uh, he set the over under of teams changing quarterbacks at 18. And so um, he took, he said he's taken the over. That is a lot of teams changing quarterbacks. That is more than half. 
Um, so it, it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason for sure as you know these teams try to build their best shot at, at getting to a Super Bowl. And um, you know, speaking of the Super Bowl, 30 other teams didn't get to make the Super Bowl. Uh, we had 18 teams that didn't make the playoffs. Uh, and so it's not a given that you'll retain your your job after your you know, your head coaching job after not making the playoffs. And so this year we saw seven teams hire a new head coach: uh, the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions, the New York Jets, the Philadelphia Eagles, the L.A. Chargers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, now again, I'm a nut for the NFL, so I I really get into you know head coaches and and their philosophies as, as, as play callers or team managers or team builders, um, you know, because sometimes that gives us the edge to figuring out how a team might use a particular player. Uh, and if you've listened to the show for a while, then, then you, you already knew that, you know, you already knew that, but giving the new listeners out there some insight, uh, about how, you know, we, how we operate around here, but you know, I'm going to run through some of these hires and my initial thoughts on them. Um, you know, now again, a lot can change between now and September, but again, these are just my initial reactions, my initial thoughts on on each one of these hires. Uh, and so, first up, we're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they hired longtime college football coach Urban Meyer uh, to replace Doug Marone. Uh, now, Urban Meyer, who he's a legend in the state of Florida uh, from his time as the, as the Gators head coach, you know, brought them to the national championship. Most recently worked wonders uh, with Ohio State. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the reaction I saw with this hire was negative. Uh, I actually really liked this hire. Uh, one of the complaints I kept hearing was that, you know, college coach uh, won't do well in, in locker rooms and. Uh, you know, his message eventually goes stale like Jim Harbaugh or, or Chip Kelly. You know, my rebuttal to that is is that the Jags have one of the youngest rosters, if not the youngest roster in the NFL uh, right now. According to an article by, by Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice dated September 5th, 2020, uh, the Jags had the youngest roster going into week one at an average age of 24.9. Uh, so most of these guys are just few a few years removed from Urban Meyer having sat in their living room trying to recruit them to play at Ohio State. And so, you know, and and these guys, the Jags, are set to add five players in the top 65 picks of the upcoming NFL draft. Again, this is the perfect situation, in my opinion, for, for Urban Meyer to build this program up to a eight, nine, ten win team potentially and retire after three, four years. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see this happen as early as next year either. Uh, You know, they're presumably going to be grabbing Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. Uh, Now, I I didn't initially love the hire of Daryl Bevel, but, you know, I don't know, man. I have to stop hating on Bevel because he was with Pete Carroll and Matt Patricia in his last two stops who are basically the face of defensive head coaches establishing the run on offense campaign. Um but when Bevel took over as the interim head coach in Detroit, we saw more aggressiveness, more up-tempo from that offense. And we saw some of that same stuff in 2019 before Stafford suffered a back injury. So maybe I shouldn't be too hard on Bevel uh, and, and have some optimism about him. But 
overall, I, I, I really like the Urban Meyer hire and, and what it means for, for Jacksonville, who's going to have some potentially good pieces. I mean, like you think about uh, Trevor Lawrence and what he comes in, that's an upgraded quarterback situation. Um, that's a better situation for guys like James Robinson and DJ Shark and LaVisca Chenault. So, you know, maybe we can get some discounts on these Jacksonville uh, skill pieces because, uh, you know, I don't I don't know where a lot of people stand on them as we especially as we get closer to the season. Now, for our next head coaching change. Adam Gase was officially relieved of his duties as head coach of the New York Jets. And insert former uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala, uh, who has it pretty easy in New York uh, simply because he isn't Adam Gase. But overall, uh, the feedback on Sala has been positive. Uh, To be honest, he wasn't somebody I really consider as an option for the Jets. But all in all, he's a player's coach and he has a all gas, no break mentality that me and about every other Jets fan will say uh, from now until week one. But, you know, the most interesting part here from a fantasy perspective is that he brought over Mike LaFleur, uh, who was an assistant with the Kyle Shanahan, uh, assistant with Kyle Shanahan on the 49ers as the passing game coordinator. Also, the, the younger brother of uh, Green Bay Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur. Uh, so look for him to implement a zone running scheme, most likely outside zone with, with more pre-snap motion and, and easier reads for the quarterback, while also getting athletes in space. So uh, now the Jets, they could keep Darnold. I think they move on, though. Uh, as much as I still believe in Darnold, I just think it, from an assets perspective, it just makes more sense to move on from him when you consider that you could have a team willing to give you draft capital for Darnold. Uh, and then also the fact that uh, Darnold is, you know, he's entering the last uh, the last two years of his rookie deal, assuming uh, the Jets don't pick up the option, then it's only one year left. And then the Jets are going to have to talk a contract with Darnold. Why would you even want to go down that route? Uh, you, you know, you could when you could recoup. Uh, I mean, Adam Schefter is saying they could get a, a, a late first round pick. Uh, I'm I'm more leaning towards that they get a second round pick for Darnold, uh, so why why keep him? Continue to try to evaluate him, uh, then have to make a decision about whether you want to pay him when you can uh, move on from him, trade him to another team, uh, get you know pick up an extra uh, pick up an extra f- draft pick, whether it's a, a, you know, a second or second round draft pick or hell, even if it's a first round draft pick, especially if it's a first round draft pick, um, you know, and then restart the clock with what, with what, uh, whichever replacement you draft at, at number two overall, whether that's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, um, or Hey, maybe they pull off a trade for a certain disgruntled star in, in, in Deshaun Watson. So, uh, either way, I think all these jet pieces make interesting buys from uh, Denzel Mims to Chris Herndon and, and even Sam Darnold. I mean, uh, if he goes on to a new situation or he stays in this situation, you've got to assume. Uh, I mean, if you if you held if you have Sam Darnold in your dynasty league, that means you must have been a believer in him. Right. And so you are willing to to say that these last two years, uh, you know, while some of it his fault. You could you you could just play the Adam Gase blame game, right? So, 
Um, I think that even if you could just, you know, maybe try to see if you can get Darnold as a throw in, uh, or maybe you could try to buy low on him in a super flex league. But either way, uh, I think that uh, whether it's for the Colts or the Saints or the Washington football team or or the New York Jets, I think Sam Darnold will have a better year four than he than he did a year three. So. <clears throat> Um, in an IDP league, this hire is huge for a guy like Quentin Williams, which I think is obvious, but I think it's great for the linebackers as well, whether it's, you know, CJ Mosley or, or whatever young draft pick um, that they maybe get in there to be the middle linebacker of the future. But Salah has been able to get quality uh, linebacker play uh, from his linebackers, especially being a former linebackers coach. So uh, we saw Fred Warner really shine under his tutelage in in San Francisco, uh, blossomed into you know, a top five middle linebacker in the league. Uh, we even saw Dre Greenlaw, who uh, you know has stepped in for um, what is that guy's name, Quan Alexander, uh, you know, through injury last year, and, and even uh, they you know they felt comfortable enough in Dre Greenlaw, who's a fifth round pick just two years ago, to ship Quan Alexander uh, to the Saints. So. Um, definitely like Salah's ability to to develop linebackers. So overall, again, like this hire. Uh, this one's a little bit closer to home for me, uh, as you as you all know why. But uh, moving on, this next hire, uh, we get to Atlanta where uh, they hire Arthur Smith to replace uh, Dan Quinn, uh, who was fired midseason, um, and replaced by Raheem. Raheem, Raheem Morris, I almost wanted to say Mostert, uh, Raheem Morris, who was um, who was the interim head coach. Uh, so Arthur Smith, you know, he's he's definitely an intriguing hire. He's the former Titans OC. Uh, did a masterful job with Ryan Tannehill and really unlocking the best version of Derrick Henry. Uh, the first question was, you know, what would the Falcons do about Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, who, who combined for, you know, nearly $64 million cap charge, um, you know, with Matt Ryan accounting for nearly $41 million of that. Uh, you know, both these contracts, nearly impossible to move on from. Uh, the Falcons have already indicated that both these guys should be returning, but don't be surprised if Atlanta makes a move to find Ryan's replacement with a quarterback at four. So uh, I do think Arthur Smith could do really well with these pieces in Atlanta. You know, there's all this talk that of Atlanta needs a running back and, and yes, they do need a running back. Uh, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think that, well, I think assuming that Arthur Smith is just going to copy and paste what he did in Tennessee could be a flawed process. So, uh, you know, Smith is somebody who utilizes, uh, you know, the players that he has and he builds around them, uh, you know, he, he puts them in positions to do what they do best. Uh, that allows them to succeed and be comfortable. Uh, so, you know, which honestly every coach should be doing, but whatever. My point is uh, he's a pure pocket. He has a pure pocket passer in Matt Ryan with weapons in, in Ridley and, and Julio Jones and Russell Gage and even Hayden Hurst at tight end. Um, but either way, expect them to add a running back, but don't expect this to become the run centric the run centric offenses uh, that he had when he was in in uh, Tennessee. The next hire is of the L.A. Chargers. They hire Brandon Staley to replace Anthony Lynn. Uh, 
the initial reaction to Brandon Staley was not positive. Uh, people were upset that the Chargers hired a defensive-minded head coach to oversee the continued development of Justin Herbert. I personally love this hire. Uh, as a Jets fan, I really, really, really wanted the Jets to hire Brandon Staley. Uh, he, he oversaw the, the number one defense for the L.A. Rams as their defensive coordinator. Um, obviously, that unit is loaded, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. But it's more about the philosophies that Staley had, you know, the fact that he he understands that the pass game is how you win in the NFL. Uh, and so he designs he designed his defense to stop the pass and and that led to a number one overall finish as uh you know the number one overall finish as the as the top defense in the league also led to them being number one against uh number one against the pass and i, I think they were top i don't know if they were definitely top four against the run so um you know they they succeeded in both of those uh you know, both you succeeded in both stopping the run and stopping the pass. The other part I love about Staley, uh, he's a former quarterback who sees the game that way, which I think is is a clue uh, that this won't be a page out of the Pete Carroll, Matt Patricia, Rex Ryan book of defensive-minded head coach overseeing his offense. You know, I think he showed us that too with his hire at OC with Joe Lombardi who spent the last five seasons as a New Orleans Saints quarterback coach. So assuming he runs a similar style of offense to the one Sean Payton ran uh, in New Orleans, then, you know, this could be great news for Justin Herbert and the surrounding pieces, including, you know, Austin Eckler, uh, who obviously we've seen. I mean, Joe, we even uh, read some quotes from the new OC, Joe Lombardi, who compared Eckler to guys that they've had uh, in New Orleans, like Alvin Kamara or Darren Sproles. Um, you know, guys that can really work the pass game here. And so, uh, you know, also have Keenan Allen. Uh, Staley even himself even talked about tailoring the offense, the Chargers offense to fit Herbert's elite skill set. So I'm hoping that means we see him run the ball a little bit more too. And, the, you know, that this Chargers offense that is maybe more aggressive on early downs and early in the game, uh, and, you know, to build leads through Herbert and not use him to make a comeback, which I complained about Agnosium last year. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really high on Justin Herbert. Uh, I'm really high on Brandon Staley, uh, which means I will be really high on the Chargers from now on. So, um, you know, again, a lot can change, but that's my initial reaction. Uh, I, you know, I, I think this is going to be huge for not the, just the Chargers' defense. I mean, you just look at the defense, right? I mean, the pieces that Staley's going to have to work with over there between uh, Melvin Ingram and, and uh, Joey Bosa and Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, uh, you know, Jerry Tillery. Uh, you know, th there's a bunch of guys on that side of the ball for for Staley to work with. And the fact that he's not going to be overbearing on his offense, the fact that he's going to let his offense operate through Justin Herbert. Uh, the fact that they're going to utilize all of the tools that this kid has in the bag. And this kid has tools for days. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one, man. So it should be good. Uh, and you know, now this is where I become less enamored with the hires, uh, the Detroit lions, they hired Dan Campbell to replace Matt Patricia. 
Uh, and, you know, Dan Campbell made a lot of noise with a really bad press conference where he, you know, he said he, he said that the Lions would bite off opposing teams' kneecaps. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating because uh, he actually said that. Uh, so if you want to go back and listen to the press conference or if you haven't seen it, Sure, go go listen to it. I don't really get caught up in what dudes say at press conferences all that much, but this one was kind. Of, this one was funny. Uh, but Campbell, former player, uh, you know, he's a, a former tight end coach. He was the most recently the assistant head coach and the tight end coach for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he talked a good game. I mean, because initially I was worried. I'm like, ah, tight end coach, uh, like, and I know Dan Campbell from from the past. He was in Miami. He was uh, Miami's. Uh, interim head coach and he just seems like a smash mouth want to run the ball down your throat kind of guy he just I just get those vibes from him I can't I don't know I really can't help it but those are the vibes I get and so you know but he did talk a good game he said he was saying he wanted to use players like DeAndre Swift in space even you know even putting him in the slot uh but then we just realized it was all game, man, because then he goes and hires Anthony Lynn. And you can't say, I want to hire an innovative, offensive mind, someone who's going to put players in space, uh, and then come out and hire Anthony Lynn. Because that's, that's, that's the opposite. We didn't see any of We didn't see any of that from Anthony Lynn's football teams. So, I mean, they, this is great for DeAndre Swift. Uh, because he, you know, we saw Kalen Balage get fed the ball repeatedly. Um, but you know, add the fact that we go from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff as, a, uh, so as of today, I have to say, I'm out on Detroit pieces not named Swift, and even Swift is questionable from a redraft perspective. So again, this is as of today. It could change, but, um. Not feeling really good about that Detroit Lions uh, situation right now. Now we move on to Philadelphia. Uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles, man, they fired Doug Peterson. Uh, they end up hiring Nick Sirianni, who was most recently the Indianapolis Colts offensive coordinator. Uh, he's another guy whose press conference was ridiculed. But again, man, I don't know. These guys weren't hired to be public speakers in front of cameras and, and news reporters and all that stuff, you know, talking to your team in a meeting or something is completely different. Uh, that vibe is different. Um, you know, there's something sacred about being in that meeting room. You, you've been, and plus you've been doing that your whole career, but these assistant coaches, they've never have to, they never have to give a full on press conference. So I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna wild out on these guys for, for you know, Nick's like, like Dan Campbell came out and said, "Hey, we're gonna bite the other team's kneecap off." I don't know how much of that is him being nervous. Nick Sirianni lost his words, man. Uh, you know, was try was trying to say something and he got all caught up, man. It is what it is. I'm not gonna ridicule him for that, but either way, uh, Sirianni spent time learning under Frank Reich the last three years. Uh, he's been someone who's who's been talked about as a potential, you know, future head coach. So I'm up, I'm optimistic he can work out. I'm just concerned that Howie Roseman could fail him here. I'm curious to see what the Eagles do with Wentz. As of today, as I record this Saturday, February 6th, 
he is on the trade market, which is weird because I thought Peterson was fired so they could keep Wentz, but I guess Harry Roseman really is the most powerful man in that building, which is a very scary thought. Um, but from a from a uh, offensive perspective, I mean, it's, it's really tough, right? I mean, we don't really know much. Uh, Jalen Hurts, is he's, he's kind of just there in the wind. Uh, we don't know what's going on with this Carson Wentz deal, but if a deal does get done, uh, then we could be looking at, uh, you know, do the Eagles look at a quarterback at five? You know, so there's a lot of things that we that have to get considered uh, through all of this. Um, and so my initial reaction is I don't really know if I have an initial reaction on any of these players. I mean, initially, my thought was, uh, hey, buy Jalen Rager because he had a really disappointing rookie year. Um, you know, people may have spent significant draft capital on him. Uh, and so, you know, he's somebody that she might be able to get for a discount. Don't come for me, though, because I know some of y'all listening are going to come check my roster and be like, oh, John has Jalen Rager. Let me go Let me go see if I can get him from him. It's not going to be me. I mean, you could send an offer, but I ain't selling low. Anyway, uh, you know, there's an interesting discussion to be had about Miles Sanders. Um, you know, had the disappointing year last year and I say disappointing with quotation marks um, because a lot of it was injury filled and um, the the Eagles offense as a whole wasn't great and so um, you know if there's a if there's questions about Miles Sanders uh, I don't know what it would necessarily cost to go get him uh, but he's somebody that if people are moving on I'd be interested in in buying uh, now, again, I'm not saying I would go offer a first-round rookie pick, but if I can get Miles Sanders for a second-round rookie pick, you know, mid to late second-round rookie pick, uh, or maybe trade a player, like if somebody, you know, if somebody wants Anthony McFarland or a Michael P. Ryan, and I could be like, hey, I'll give you my second-round pick and one of these running backs for Miles Sanders. Uh, if I can get that done, then I, I would totally do that. Um but other than that, I, I really got nothing here. Uh, Dallas Goddard and and uh, Jalen Rager are the two guys I would have the most interest in uh, as we move forward here. Um, and now we get to the last hire. And it was the last hire that was made. Um, <laughs> uh, the Houston Texans hired David Culley to replace Bill O'Brien. And... Everyone, I led this segment with this whole spiel about how I love the NFL and I really dig into all of this. And, uh, you know, with the Deshaun Watson stuff, I was really curious who Houston will hire as their head coach. So when I tell you I had no idea who this guy was prior to the hire, please know I'm not joking or or trying to be facetious here. Um, David Culley was the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach, and passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, the Baltimore Ravens. I didn't say the Kansas City Chiefs. I said the Baltimore Ravens. Um, He's 65 years old, has never been a head coach. And now I could be totally wrong, and and I actually hope I am, but this feels like a hire that will not last more than 32 games. Uh, Not because of his wrongdoing or inability to coach. Um, I think it just speaks volume to volumes to what's going on in Houston right now and the situation. Uh, I don't think there's a player on that roster that I have any real interest 
in assuming that Deshaun Watson is traded and no longer in a, in a Texan uniform. I mean, look at this team, man. I mean, just just last year, they're playing in the divisional round of the playoffs with a 24 nothing lead over the Kansas City Chiefs. Just last year. And now, here we are, coming off a 4-12 and season. Deshaun Watson wants out. DeAndre Hopkins not even on that team anymore. Uh, Will Fuller is a free agent. J.J. Watt wants out. I mean, what is Houston doing, man? Sorry, Houston fans. It's rough out there, y'all. It's rough. It's rough. Uh, but don't worry. It'll get better, man. It'll get better. It'll get better. But, again, in terms of this hire, uh, there's there's nothing that excites me about it. I mean, uh, Tim Kelly, who was the longtime offensive coordinator, he stays on board as the offensive coordinator. So um, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, again, it's <laughs> if it all depends on what happens with Deshaun Watson – who a lot of people, I'm surprised the amount of people that still expect him to be a Texan. I just think there's no coming back from this. Um, you know, I get that it's Deshaun. I get that it's a quarterback. I get that you don't want to sell those guys, but these guys, this guy wants to leave and he's willing to sit out games. So, um, you know, it's only going to get uglier the longer the Texans wait, the the less that they're going to get. Uh, I mean, I think it, it it their best option is to do this before the draft so that they can make their plans about which quarterback. Because the moment you trade Deshaun Watson to a team, that team automatically becomes better. So whatever future first-round picks you're getting, those are going to be later first-round picks, right? Those are going to be picks in the 20s, maybe even the, the you know as approaching the 30s, right? So why would I want futures? Give me a top-five pick now. Give me a shot at least drafting my replacement. Yeah, I know I'll have the number one pick over the next few years, but uh, you know, let me capitalize on this now. I don't have any picks in this draft. Give me a top five pick today in what's supposed to be a really good quarterback class where you have potentially, you could have five quarterbacks go in this first round. So why wouldn't you want a draft pick, a high draft pick in this class you know, it's just a thought. So, uh, again, Tim Kelly is sticking around as the OC. Curious to see what happens there. Uh, if I'm them, you know, and again, I'm biased here, but if I'm the Houston Texans, I would take the Jets deal, take Justin Fields at number two overall. You can sell that to your fan base. Um, you know, that similar player to Deshaun Watson, similar style of player to Deshaun Watson. Maybe he's not there yet, but you could – so that sells your fan base hope, and then you take the rest of these picks and you just continue to build around them. Um, but you know, if that happens, obviously there's you know there's a lot to figure out between now and and September. But um, you know, we'll have to see what goes on with the Deshaun Watson saga, and you know, basically what Houston does. Uh, it's really going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, but that wraps up the coaching changes. Uh, again, this is just a initial look, my initial look, my initial thoughts on some of these coaching changes and, and, uh, how I, 
I reacted to them. Um, but again, I'm excited to get back on here. Uh, the frequency is going to pick up a little bit. So uh, expect something again in a week, right? So try, we'll do this once a week thing. And if something comes up in between, I'll make you all aware of that. But um, having exactly figured out what we're going to do next week, um, might start looking. I mean, I've already started my process of looking into rookies, looking into, uh, you know, the, these incoming rookies, um, you know, but, you know, just want to be able to really watch all these guys, you know, get my eyes on them, on their film. Cause obviously, you know, last year I, uh, was able, I, last year I started working with modeling, started modeling data. And that was how I did, you know, not all my analysis, but a lot of it this year, um, is more of a marrying of the two together. Um, whereas in previous years, I'd look at, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a film guy, but I, I played, I played football, man. I, I, I know the game. I've seen the game. I've coached the game. Uh, you know, so I, I know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at something. I know a ball player when I see one. So, um, you know, this is, this year is really just about marrying the two processes together, trying to see what is the data telling me versus what is the film telling me. Um, plus, I do a lot of I do a lot of research into some of these guys as people, because uh, in a dynasty perspective, from in a dynasty league, you're investing in a person, right? Too. So, um, you know, I'm not going to bring anybody up by name, but you know, you could you could if the guy if a guy has character issues and you go and you spend high draft capital on them and then three years they're out of the league because of something that maybe you could have seen in their in their uh younger years right maybe they had issues and maybe you maybe you're noticing a pattern uh and so you know these kinds of things all you know they're all data points right the film's a data point the the analytics is a data point uh the 40 time the the college production all these things are data points right and so trying to make the best informed the most informed decision that i can make on here so um yeah maybe next week we'll go through some some rookies um could have a guest on here for you next week too uh but only one way to really find that out right so anyway y'all uh, thank you for listening. Really appreciate y'all taking the time. Love being back here with y'all. And uh, make sure you catch us next week as well. As we'll, you know, dig into some some more of this uh, this dynasty landscape. Whether that's rookies or veterans, I, I don't know yet. But we'll, trust me, come back here next week and we're going to have some content for you. Uh, but everyone appreciate y'all. If you could just go on, uh, leave us a five-star review, whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Overcast, you know, whatever it is that you're listening to us, if you could just leave us a, a review, comment, uh, tell us how we can get better, how we can improve, what things you'd want to hear this off season, uh, what things you'd want to hear discussed, um, and then also reach out to us on social media uh, at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jr Football Nerd. Have a good one, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. Catch y'all next week, and we are out.